0: We're gonna jump into week two of our True Virtue series. Week two of our True Virtue series in part two. And if you remember last week, we kind of dove into what does true virtue look like in a world that is so divided, where people can't agree on the truth when, when truth has become relative. And so, you know, virtue is how we behave. Truth is reality. You know, but it, it, it is, we live in an interesting time when reality is hard to define because everybody has a different version. But we as believers and as a church, we look through the lens of God's Word. We look through the lens of Scripture. And so, last week we talked about putting our anchor down in God's Word. We talked about representing God's Word in the way that His Word prescribes. And we talked about focusing on the mission more than my rights. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed that message, to go um, online and catch up and watch that message, because uh, that really laid the foundation for this week's talk. And it's really coming down, isn't it? When it shakes the roof, it's like, wow. And so, uh, so let's dive in today. And so the question that we're asking right off the bat today is, what does this look like in practice? What does it look like in practice when... You know we put our anchor down in god's word and we represent god's word and we focus on the mission more than our rights and so we kind of gave some overarching principles last week now we're going to dive into some real practice and so the first thing that we do when we want to do those three things that we talked about last week is we, we first have to we have to develop and maintain our integrity i must develop and maintain integrity. How many of you know that integrity is not automatic? Why is it not automatic? Because you and I were born with a unique ability, it's not that unique, we all have it, to, to do the wrong thing. Case in point, how many of you never had to tell your kids to say mine, right? It was pretty natural. It was like, that was one of the first few words they learned, and, and it's like mine. And, and those of you that have kids, you remember the first time you saw that ornery look in their eye. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from, right? And unfortunately, even in our littlest of ones, you know, the effects of sin because of Adam and Eve and how they fell at the beginning and, you know, have, have taken root in our hearts and lives. The really theological term for that would be original sin, that we are born with the propensity to do what we're not supposed to do. And so integrity is not automatic. And so, you know, we don't just maintain our integrity. For many of us, we first have to develop our integrity. Maybe you've heard before that that it takes You know, just a moment to lose trust, but it can take a lifetime to build it, right? And that's just a great picture that everybody sees what's on the surface. If you think about an iceberg, an iceberg, only a small portion. They say many icebergs, only 10% of the iceberg is above water that you can actually see. And the other 90% is below the water. Can you imagine how long it took for all that water to freeze? And how long it's been freezing and melting and, and how, how long it takes to make a difference. And it's like that in your life and mine. We have to develop and then we have to maintain integrity. And it can take a lifetime to build and can be lost in a moment. And so it's something to guard. God says it like this. Protect your heart. Guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And so we're developing and we're maintaining our integrity. In 1 Peter three fifteen through 17, it says it like this. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. Did you know that we don't just worship him as our savior, although that's what he is and it's awesome. But he's not just our savior. He's our Lord, which means he's the director. He's the guide. He calls the shots. And so we worship him as Lord of our life. And if someone asks you about the hope that you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But... And anytime you you hear a but in scripture, it's like, okay, I better listen up. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. That's the maintaining part. We gotta keep it clear. We gotta keep it clear. Then, if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, It is better to suffer, underline that word. It's not a very fun word, but sometimes that's what maintaining your integrity looks like. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. How many of you ever suffered for doing wrong? I've I've been in that camp a lot. I've probably been in the camp of suffering for doing wrong more than I've been in the camp of suffering for doing right. Let me just tell you. And so, man, we all know what it's like to suffer for doing wrong. But to suffer for doing right, that's a whole nother thing. And many times that's what it looks like to maintain your integrity, and we're gonna unpack that. And so keeping your conscience clear, that's what it means to maintain your integrity. And and so what does that look like? If you can look in the mirror, and the mirror is God's word, and you're working on what you see, then you're maintaining your integrity. And so hear what it's not. Maintaining your integrity is not being perfect all the time. Because if that was the definition, I would never measure up. How about you? I mess up weekly. I mess up daily. My wife makes sure I know, right? And so perfection is not the goal, but I want to constantly be looking in the mirror and knowing that that mirror is not what I think. It's not what the world thinks. It's not, it's, it's what God says. The mirror is God's Word and then when I see the difference between how I look and what God's Word says, I'm working on it intently. I'm working on it. So we completely acknowledge we'll never be perfect. And so what does integrity mean? I put this definition in your notes and this comes from a book called Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a great psychologist and leadership teacher, good guy. And he calls integrity the courage to face the demands of reality. I love that definition because it doesn't say that integrity is is that you're always perfect because we would all lose if that was the case. But no, integrity is the courage to face the demands of reality. So what's the reality that we all come with? The reality is that we're all a little or a lot messed up when we come to Jesus. We all bring with us things that he wants to redeem and forgive and heal. And so we all have issues when we come to the foot of the cross. But at the same time, based on this verse that we just read in first Peter, your life and my life should show some fruit. It should show some fruit. Does that mean we're always perfect? No, but we're growing in Christ likeness. How many of you heard the saying, the proof is in the pudding, right? Well, as a believer, the proof is in you maintaining your integrity. The proof is when you walk in victory over sin. Now, I, I don't hear what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying that we will all walk this out perfectly for the rest of our life. But the point is, is that we're fighting the battle as hard as we possibly can. And only you know if you're being completely honest in that regard. Listen, we're not saved by works. Ephesians 2.8 says, you know, it's, it's, it's by grace through faith that you're saved. And so no one can boast. And so if we're not saved by works, then what is this whole maintaining our integrity thing about? It's about the fact that we're applying the grace and the power of God to your life and stepping away from the poison of sin. This should be a defining characteristic of a believer. Defining. This should be all the difference that the world needs to see that there really is a God, that we love each other, and that because of our relationship with Christ, we're actively and intentionally stepping away from the poison of sin and maintaining our integrity. Jesus said it like this in John 5:14. he had just healed a man that was lame. The man's now walking. He couldn't walk before, now he walks. What does Jesus say? He says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. We see Jesus saying things like this to other people, like the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And I don't know why to this day they just brought the woman and not the man. You know, he should have been there, too, if if she was caught in the act. And, And Jesus said, hey, I don't condemn you, so go and sin no more. So it wasn't it wasn't that Jesus was okay with her sin, but he forgave her. And he said, hey, now go and sin no more. Jesus said many times, be holy, be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord, you know, and this is a hard, hard um, reality for us to face sometimes because because sometimes we, we take that to mean that, oh, I've got to be perfect and I can't ever mess up. And if I go to church and, and I mess up man people are going to look down on me. Now, I've had so many people over the years say that, Joe, I just don't know if I could come back to church and face everybody after what I did. Joe, I don't know if if I can come back because people aren't going to look at me the same way to which I just beg them. I'm I'm like, hey, join the club. We are all sinners saved by grace, but in your failure, don't isolate, don't run away. Isn't it funny that the devil convinces us that in our time of sin in our time of messing up and times when our integrity lapses a little bit, the best thing to do is to not be around people. To not be in the house of God, to not be around the community of the believers, but the truth is, is that when we're hurting and when we find our integrity has lapsed and when we find a discrepancy between what the mirror of God's word says and the reality of our life. We got to run to the community of believers. We got to run to the cross. And hopefully if we're doing things right as a church, we're embracing people with open arms. We are loving them back towards the cross. And, And we're realizing that we're all sinners saved by grace, desperately in need with a savior. And so when we're maintaining our integrity, we're facing the inconsistencies in our life with courage. We're facing the ugliness in our life and not trying to excuse it. We're facing the shortcomings in our life and not making excuses. And so if integrity is the courage to, to face the demands of reality, how does this flesh out? First is the courage to know the truth. Sometimes that's just a battle. Sometimes we don't even wanna know the truth. And, and, and in case you didn't notice, this first point is all about me. It's not about them. It's all about my personal walk with Jesus. And so sometimes I don't even want to know the truth about myself. Why? Because it makes me feel bad. Because it hurts to think about it. And so I got to summon the courage to face the truth, to know the truth. Sometimes we don't want other people to know the truth and so we hide it. And what happens when we hide it? Bad things grow in the dark. How many of you have uncovered something in your basement growing in the damp and the dank and the darkness? And, you, and you, that's a perfect example that bad things grow in the dark. And so we've got to have the courage to face the truth about ourselves. And then we've got to have the courage to seek out the truth, because sometimes it takes work to see the truth. And it's only by being intentional and having conversations and actually being somebody who doesn't just takes what comes, but actually seeks out the truth. Just like the psalmist said, God, search my heart. I'm seeking for the truth about myself because I wanna maintain my integrity. And then we gotta have the courage to have a conversation with the truth. When is the last time, and man, if you take nothing away from today, this is a great action step for you. When is the last time you had a conversation, a growth conversation about your integrity, your personal integrity with someone else? And this isn't just, any someone else, this is a trusted friend, a trusted mentor, somebody that knows you and has grace for you, and is willing to walk with you through it. When's the last time that you had that kind of conversation and, and this is a big and, you were truly honest, you were truly real, you were truly authentic about where you were really at? You see, that's what integrity looks like. It's the courage to have those kind of conversations. And then lastly, you've got to have the courage to apply the truth, because when you make changes, sometimes it's kind of painful. It is. Here's just a couple more thoughts when it comes to maintaining your personal integrity. The only person that you will ever give account for is you. You will not give an account for anybody else when you stand before Jesus. Now, the Bible says that, like for instance, because, because I'm an overseer in the body of Christ, because I, I, I lead and teach others in the body of Christ, that I'll be, I'll be held to a higher standard, right? And I better make sure that I'm teaching right, I better make sure that I'm living right, because I don't want to cause somebody else to stumble. But still, at the end of the day, I'm going to be responsible for me, right? If I do everything I can do to preach the gospel and to lead others to Christ, I'm not going to be responsible about whether you accepted it or not. Right? Because every man is appointed once to die and face the judgment. And so we're we're going to give an account. But I'm only going to give an account for me. And you're going to give an account for you. And when you stand before the throne, you're not going to be able to say, well, God, they did this or they did that. No, you got to take responsibility for your life. Number two, it takes discipline to maintain my character. You know, you got to say no to yourself often. How many of you know that's really hard? It's super hard for me to say no to myself in some areas. And we all have areas like that. To say no. But here's what I've learned. If you don't have consistent practice of saying no to yourself, It will be that much harder to say no to yourself when the stakes are high. Like some of the things that I I don't say no to myself in the grand scheme of things might be less consequential. Might have a smaller impact on my life, right? But if I don't have a practice of denying myself, if I don't have a practice of, of saying, hey, I'm not gonna do what I wanna do right now, and that could be, anything. It could be putting the phone down. It could be saying no to certain foods. It could be, um, you know, maybe I want to hang out with my buddies, but I know I need to spend time with my kids. Maybe it, it, it could be a whole slew of things. You know, I just want some me time, but hey, there's somebody in my life that really needs me right now. And so if I don't have this consistent practice of saying no to myself, Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. Then it's gonna be really hard when the stakes get high and times get tough if I haven't built that into my life as a habit. And then lastly, and we've talked about this, I just gotta be straight up honest with myself, even when the truth about myself makes me feel bad, right? Mature believer, maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Listen, don't confuse a long history of doing right with never being wrong. That's one of the quickest ways that people who've been coming to church for a long time lose their integrity. Because they begin to develop blind spots. They think, oh, well, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm doing pretty good, I'm checking all the boxes. And then these blind spots start to grow in their life, and, 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 and because they weren't intentional, they lose their integrity. Here's another thought. There's a connection. Okay? And this is a matter of integrity. There's a connection between how honest you are with yourself and how much grace you can extend to others. Man, I've seen this in my own life. When I start to feel like I know it all, when I start to feel like, man, you know, I've got this thing figured out, my grace for others goes down. What a scary place to be. And you know why that's scary? Because. When, I grace, when my grace for others starts to go down, because I'm not being honest with the true state of my soul, when I'm not being honest with the areas in my life that I still don't all have figured out, then I unknowingly start to see myself as a little bit superior to others. How many of you know it's hard to extend adequate grace to others when deep down you feel superior? When you think, oh, I would never do that. I, I would never find myself in that place. I would never. And it's right about that point that we realize, oh my goodness, there's a lapse in my integrity. Because I've, I don't have the courage to, to see that, man, I'm just as capable of sin as these people I'm looking down are. The greater the self-deception. When you don't have the courage to face reality, the greater the self-deception, the greater the expectation you place on others. And we get slide into this place where it's like justice for you and grace for me. But integrity faces the demands of reality and we realize that, man, I, I've got just as much to work on as most people. And as many things are, this is a paradox, right? I'm full of grace because I know where Jesus saved me from. I'm aware of my current and ongoing need for grace, but, and I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I'm doing my best to live a victorious life. Does this mean I will ever be just a perfect example to the world? No, but I better be fighting for it. I better be going for it. I better be doing the best that I can, being as honest as I can with myself and others. Why? Because if I don't, then I I run a high risk of having a breach of integrity in my life. And so I'm fighting to maintain and develop my integrity. The second thing that we need to do, if we're gonna live out true virtue in our life, if we're gonna live out what we talked about last week, we have to stay (laughs) open-handed, stay open-handed. We gotta unpack this for a while because this is a posture of the heart that especially in our culture is really, really, really hard. And so there's a lot of, of dichotomies to this, two sides of the story, and, and, and so, hey, let's unpack it. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 10, he had just named the 12 disciples, he had just called them to follow him, right? And you'll find a list of, of all the names of the disciples. And so he says, here's the 12 disciples, and the next thing he does is he sends them out into ministry. Now, granted, these guys had never been to seminary, they had never gone to school, they were, you know, some of them were fishermen, tax collector, you know, it was an eclectic bunch. And so Jesus sends these guys out and gives them some very specific instructions. And one of the first things that he told them that kind of revealed his heart, right? Revealed the heart behind the instructions was he said, freely you have received freely give. Wow. Freely you've received, freely give. Here's how this gets challenged. Because if we're going to stay open-handed, you know we know that it's really hard sometimes. And so here's how this gets challenged. In Matthew 10:16, just a few verses later, Jesus says, "Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. How many of you ever read that and you're just like, okay, Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> like, what in the world? I'm going to be a sheep. I'm going to be defenseless. I'm gonna, there's going to be wolves. They're trying to get me. And I've got no defense. I've got no way to fight. Because especially our, our American spirit is like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going to stand up. And Jesus is like, look, look, look. No, it's upside down. I'm sending you out as, as a sheep among wolves. And so what does he say? He says, so be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Man, we could talk about that all day. Shrewd is another word for wise, maybe street smarts. Maybe, you know, I'm going to think about what I do before I do it. I'm not going to be impulsive. I'm, I'm going I'm to take my steps with deliberation and, 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 and intentionality, Right. And so Jesus goes on in this passage and, and I encourage you to go home and read all of, you know, Matthew chapter 10 and even 11. You're going to see all these instructions. But Jesus says things like, don't take money. What does that tell us? To depend on God. He says things like, share with anyone who wants to hear, you know, you know don't, don't spend a lot of time trying to bark down doors that aren't listening. He, he, he says tough times are coming. He gives some pretty stark warnings, but he encourages them that the Holy Spirit will empower them to, to know what to say and when to say it. He, he told them they're going to be arrested. They're going to be hated. People are going to call them names. Jesus told them, not only that, you're going to have a lot of family tension because you're following me. How many of you experienced that in your life? Because of your decision to follow Jesus and the decisions you made for him, there's been some family tension. And so we see kind of two sides of this. And a lot of times, man, we love the salvation side of God. It's, man, I'm free, I'm forgiven, there's so much grace. But then Jesus sends out his followers and he's like, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be really hard. And so here's the dichotomy, God is love, God's full of grace, and the greatest spiritual gift, you know, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest spiritual gift is love. The greatest thing that we could display is love. But that doesn't mean that, God, that we will live a life without conflict, because in Jesus' very instructions to go out and share his message of love, he said all these tough things were gonna happen. And so the challenge for us is staying open handed in the midst of it all, right? When we get hurt, when there's tension, when we face people that don't listen, when we, when, when, when we just are like, this is hard, God. When we suffer for doing what is good to stay open handed. Think about it. When Jesus came to love the world, he was killed, he suffered. And so there's a huge challenge to staying open-handed. This is quite a paradox in our emotional state as we follow Jesus. To be tough and wise, shrewd as a snake, and soft as a dove at the same time, innocent. Doves almost seem naive at times. It's like they just... You know, doves are kind of related to pigeons and they just kind of walk around and they kind of have that, you know, it's, and I don't think God's calling us to be dumb. That's why he said shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves at the same time, because this is this, this picture that we're going to be servants that are open handed, but we're going to be smart at the same time. You know, uh, me and a, a, a really close friend of mine, we did ministry for a long time. We always like to say that we're going to have really thick skin but we're gonna try to keep a soft heart. Because hurtful things happen and we're human, right? But man, we can never expect everybody to treat us right all the time. And so we're gonna have thick skin and a soft heart. And so what happens in the life of a believer many times is in this attempt to be right and to do right and to follow Jesus, we get prideful, we get jaded, we get hurt, right? Some people just don't even want others to disturb their bubble. And so they just kind of erect this invisible bubble around themselves. And they're like, oh, this is my life. Don't come in and I'll help you when I want to help you, right? But I believe that to be hated and not become jaded is a special thing. And I think that's what God is calling us to in this, in this passage, And he's like, I'm sending you out, extend grace, preach the kingdom, point people towards Jesus, but don't get jaded in the process and stay open handed. Keep a soft heart to be in conflict, but maintain a sweet spirit. Maybe it's that fruit of the spirit that in the old translation was called long suffering, self-control. And so, what does it look like to be wise as serpents? Well, think about what a serpent does. And when a serpent faces danger, when a serpent faces conflict, what do they do? They try to escape. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, hey, if, if, if you start to face persecution in one town, what did he say? Flee. He said, flee to the next. Some of you might read that and it's like, Jesus, what you want me to run away? You want me to go to the next town? What a- it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? It's like, aren't I supposed to fight? Aren't I supposed to, you know? But he's saying, be smart. Be smart. And so a serpent tries to escape. A serpent takes shelter out of sight if possible. A serpent, many times, is very quiet. A serpent doesn't expose itself needlessly. And really, a serpent seeks preservation, right? And then what does it look like to be harmless as doves? The dove is mild and meek, has a soft spirit. A dove bears no ill or hurt. It's not a predator, it's not out to get people. A dove is, is just the symbol of being innocent and inoffensive, not offending people. It's a symbol of peace and not war. And so the Lord's witness, you and me, is to have a serpent-like mind and a dove-like spirit. And it's really a dichotomy, right? We're gonna be wise in sensing threats and, and we're gonna to respond to those threats without passion. We're gonna be smart about it, we're gonna be wise. We're not to provoke or allow ourselves to be provoked. How many of you know that's hard? It's like you you get that comment on Facebook and you're like, and you go into turbo thumb mode and you're like, you get revved up. Right? But man, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be wise and, and innocent as a dove, it's like, whew, let the steam out some other way and don't be provoked. We're gonna guard against being wronged and we're gonna try to wrong no one, right? It's okay to avoid a situation if we know that it's gonna be tense because we know that we're gonna, we're gonna come at that at another angle another day because we're representing Christ. And then we're to maneuver out of harm and harm one, no one ourselves. You know, that's, that's kind of what they do. We're, we're not going to harm. We're gonna, I tell my kids all the time when we're around snakes or spiders, I'd say they're way more afraid of you than you are of them. You see them running away. You see them dart into the shadows, right? And so we're, we're not trying to hurt people. We're, we're out to represent Christ. Now, some of you that hate snakes, you're like, Joe, I just don't see it, (laughs) right? It's like, I hate those things. But you got to get the principle that Jesus is trying to communicate here. And so how do we do this? First, we got to take off our Holy Spirit junior partner pen. You're, 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 you know, you, you don't speak for him. You're representative of him. Does that make sense? We speak for God only for the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, but your opinions don't always equal His. And so you gotta speak His words, not yours. And we gotta have this attitude that man, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. Can I get an amen? I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm in the healing process. Jesus is sanctifying me. He's making me whole, more holy every day. I'm doing my best to follow Him. Right, And so I have this attitude of grace. And so I want to encourage you today to see the big picture. Think about what's coming. Keep a soft heart and a a tender heart towards people and stay open-handed. Because when you serve Jesus, it's easy to just get offended. Oh, they didn't. And a popular term these days is called church hurt. And it happens. Trust me. I've been in the church my whole life get hurt. And in those times, I gotta tell myself, I'm just gonna stay open-handed. I'm not gonna let it affect the relationship. I'm, I'm gonna keep giving. I'm gonna keep serving. I'm gonna keep loving. I'm not gonna let myself go to that place of being jaded because the minute that I become jaded and I let my heart get a little calloused, and then then I hold back the grace that was given to me. When Jesus said, freely received freely you received freely give we're going to give it away as freely as we received it I love that picture later in the passage in in verse 39 Jesus says if you cling to your life closed hands if you cling to your life you'll lose it but if you give up your life for me open hands you're going to find it so what does that tell me I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna love, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna be outward focused, even when I feel like, man, sometimes I'm getting a little walked all over. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, for the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, came to seek and to save those who were lost. And so I'm focused on that. That's guiding my thoughts and my attitudes. Matthew 9:12 Jesus said healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do. And so I'm going to do my best to meet needs and go where the hurting are and 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 be those hands and feet of Christ. I don't want to lose focus just because I'm a little hurt or annoyed or angry or provoked. Matthew 9:13 the very next verse Jesus said I'm not come to call those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners. And so you're going to rub shoulders with people who aren't perfect, just like you. And so don't expect to walk in the park. People are messy. And man, when you read Matthew chapter 10 this week as your homework, you're going to be like, whoa. Wow. It's messy. And then lastly, I just want to read to you Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Jesus said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you mock, when, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. You're like, thanks Jesus, easier said than done, right? It doesn't feel good, but be happy about it, he says. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Man, some heavy stuff. It's hard to think about. You know, if you wanna deflate a room, you just say, hey, who wants to sign up for suffering? Let's go. You know, we'd rather go to a picnic or, you know, hang out and I love hanging out. And one of the, one of the foundations of the church in the book of Acts was fellowship and so Man, it's so much easier with each other though, if we have each other and we're speaking life into each other and we're being honest with each other, it's so much easier to face the hard times. So I just wanna encourage you today, develop, maintain your integrity, and then stay open handed. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? How can I give my life away for the purposes that you've laid out in your word. This is a total change of perspective, right? Thinking that resistance is normal. Jesus endured resistance for you and for me, and so I'm gonna endure it for him. If you're here today, and maybe you've been coming for a while, or maybe you showed up today and saw people get baptized, and you're like, man, it's, it's time for me to, to get right with God. It's time for me to invite Jesus to, to be my savior, to be my Lord, to be the director of my life. And because Jesus endured this kind of suffering and, and pain for me, man, I wanna live and serve him, live for and serve him. And so if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, I wanna give you a chance to respond if that's you today. If you say, Joe, that's me, I wanna I wanna serve Jesus because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And you say, Joe, today I want to be one of those everyone's. I want to be somebody that accepts God's free gift of salvation in my life. Here I am, God. I give my life to you. If that's you, just raise your hand today. And if you want to accept Christ into your life, say, This is your moment because Jesus was willing to endure that for me. I'm going to follow him with my life. Anyone today says, Joe, that's me, I wanna follow Jesus. If you're online watching today, right in your living room or in your car, wherever you're watching, you can respond, say, God, that's me. And as you do respond today, let's, let's pray a prayer together. We're gonna just invite Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. Let's say Jesus, repeat after me, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I wanna follow you. I believe you're the son of God. Help me to follow your word and live for you the rest of the days of my life. I give myself to you. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, the Bible says that you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And now you begin this journey of developing and maintaining your integrity and staying open-handed just like Jesus was for you. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.